I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me once again to the New Testament book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going through a series called By Faith. As we look at the preacher of Hebrews taking us through chapter 11, which is also known as the Hall of Faith, looking at various Old Testament characters and seeing their faith and how God was able to use them. And then you turn the page to chapter 12 and the preacher of Hebrews says, so now let us run the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So today... As we continue looking at these characters of faith, let's look at Isaac and Jacob. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked blessings for the future on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons, the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the top of his staff. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, this, your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. Isaac... Jacob and Esau. What a story. And I invite you once again to spend some time in the book of Genesis looking at the stories of these characters, looking at these people of faith, but yet imperfect people. What a story when we look at these. Isaac's name reminds us of his story. The, the name Isaac actually means laughter. And of course, we, re, we are reminded that the laughter was when Abraham and Sarah find out in their old age that they're about to have a child. A hundred years old, 90 years old, when you're going to have a kid, it is kind of hilarious. It's why Paul then in Romans chapter 4 verse 19 uses Abraham's faith saying he trusted God that he would have a child even though he was as good as dead. And when God tells Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have a child, they think it's hilarious themselves. As a matter of fact, if you look at Genesis 17, verse 17, the scripture says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And can Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? And then we remember the story as well in Genesis 18, verse 12, when Sarah finds out, the scripture said, So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I've grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? And then after Isaac was born, turning on over to Genesis 21, verse 6, Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The story of Isaac 
is kind of a short story. We don't know a lot about Isaac. He's referenced, of course, in the New Testament a few times as being one of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. We know some of those stories. There's not a lot about it. He falls in love, marries a lady by the name of Rebecca, and they have kids. You want to know the story? That's the story. They have twin boys by the names of Esau and Jacob. And Jacob, he was a character. Or as you might hear some places here in North Carolina, he was a character. I mean, he was a mess. He, he was a rascal. I mean, that little boy was something to behold from the time he was born. We get a glimpse of it at his very birth. He's the younger twin of the two. Esau's the oldest. When Esau was born, Esau comes out of the womb, and there holding on to his foot as he's born is Jacob. Jacob holding on to his brother's foot as they're being born. That's why he's named Jacob. comes from the Hebrew word root word for heel. And Jacob means one who grasps the heel or he who supplants. Jacob. About half the book of Genesis includes Jacob. He's throughout the story. There's a lot of things that's going on. One of it is, is that he is the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. But he was a mess he was a rascal. And, and if we're honest about it, Jacob is not chosen by God because of his character. Character would not have been in the list of assets or attributes of Jacob. He struggled. His life was a life of conflict. His life was a life of deception his life was a life of running, fleeing from someone because of something that he did to them, some way that he deceived them, some way that he tricked them. It was always something. He deceives his brother. He deceives his father. He deceives his father-in-law. What I love, though, about the Scripture is that God doesn't always use people who seem to walk around with the greatest piety, with their hands crossed and the sounds of angels singing behind them. Sometimes God is even able to use a character. And you may be going, well, thank God for that. Because there are many of us who wonder, can God use us? Now, Jacob... He was one who was always up to something. As I mentioned, when he was born, he's holding his brother's foot. And Esau, bless his heart, wasn't necessarily the brightest one of the kids. One day, Esau comes in from being out working in the field. This is in Genesis chapter 25. And, and he's so hungry. And Jacob had been inside and he's got food going and it smells so delicious. And, and Esau says, man, give me something to eat. Give me some of that. That smells good. I am hungry. I am starving. I am famished. Give me some of that. And, and Jacob sees the opportunity. All right, I'll be glad to if you'll give me your birthright. 
Esau was only thinking about the moment. He was kind of foolish here. And, and he says, well, what good is a birthright if you starve to death? And so he agrees. Later he regrets it because the birthright, well, that's the material inheritance. And the oldest child would have received more. Jacob saw the opportunity. He's hungry. He's not paying attention. Talks him out of his birthright. Now Jacob will get the vastness of the inheritance. It's pretty incredible. Takes advantage of his brother, but it wasn't the only time. As a matter of fact, there's another time when, when Isaac is getting old and he's about to die, he's preparing to die, that he's about to offer the blessing. The blessing to the oldest child. Now, one of the problems we see with this family is Isaac and Rebecca, they, they actually have favorites. It's never good for family to have favorites. There are five of us kids, and my mother would always say, you know, I don't really have a favorite, that none of you are my favorite. I love you all the same. And, and she would try every year at Christmas, for example. We could, we could almost calculate if, if one of the brothers, there are four of us that are boys, so it, we had to open our presents at the same time because if you opened it up and you had some new socks, the other three brothers were going to have new socks. And, and my mother literally kept up with the receipt seats to show she spent the same amount on all of us. Of course, I can't make fun of my mother because when our kids were little, we kept the receipts too going, well, we need to buy this one a little bit more because this cost a little bit extra. So I need to find something for around $10. We try hard not to play favorites, but Isaac and Rebecca didn't try too hard. As a matter of fact, Isaac was a little partial to Esau. Esau was the hunter. He was the one who would go out in the fields and find the wild game. And Isaac loved to taste the wild game. And Jacob, well, he was mama's boy. She loved him dearly and she wanted to take care of him. But Esau was the oldest. He was the one who was to receive the blessing. So one day, Isaac, when he's older, says to Esau, I'm an old man can't see. I don't know when I'm going to die. So here's what I want you to do. Go out into the field and hunt and bring in some game. Cook it up. Make me a savory dish that, that I can eat this and bless you before I die. Well, the problem was mama heard that conversation too. So Esau goes out to the field. Mama runs over to Jacob and says, hey, your dad just told Esau to go out in the field and, and bring back some wild game and fix some food so he could bless him. And then she says, now this is mama also conniving. Maybe it just runs in the family. Mama says to Jacob, go get a couple of our goats, bring them to me. I'm going to cook you up this savory thing that you can then present to your father so he'll bless you. And we got to do it before Esau gets back. I mean, if you thought this stuff was on TV only, read the Bible. The Bible can put the TV to shame with these stories. Go and get the goats. I'll fix food for you. And Jacob even says, well, wait a minute, Mama. What if Daddy figures out that it's, it's really me instead of Esau? 
and, and then he could put a curse on me. He could, he could cast me aside. He, he could be so angry with me. And she goes, I'll take, I'll take the blame. I'll take it on my shoulders. Just go do it. He gets the goats. But the other problem is Esau is a hairy guy. Jacob, not so much. Well, what if dad wants to give me a hug? What are we going to do? And they even take then some animal skin and put it on his arms and around his neck just in case dad wants to hug him. And it confuses Jacob, Isaac rather. I mean, Jacob shows up with his dad and brings the savory stew. And it's like, how did you, how did you go hunting so fast? Who are you? And he lies to his dad. He says to him in, in Genesis 27, 19, I, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I mean, clearly not true. I've done what you told me so you can bless me. And, and he's so confused. He's going, well, it sounds like Jacob. Let, let me touch. And, and, and he touches and no, it's, it, feels like, it feels like Esau. You must be Esau, and even ask him, are you really my son Esau? I mean, Isaac's confused here, but he can't see. He's gone blind by this point. And once again, he answers, I am. Genesis 27, 24. And so, Isaac eats the food, blesses his son Jacob, thinking he's blessing the eldest son Esau. The blessing. You want to talk about something important. Before we talked about inheritance, but this was the blessing to take over the role of being head of the family, head of the clan, to become the patriarch for the family. Maybe a little harder for us in our culture to understand, but in the biblical culture, the head of the household was responsible for all the household, all the brothers and sisters and children and children's children, and everyone would look to this. This is now the leader. This is the one you will listen to. This is the one you will serve. This is the one that you'll answer to. It was to go to the oldest, but Jacob just took it away. And when you read the scripture in 27 of Genesis, at verse 33, for example, when Isaac realizes that he's been tricked, the scripture said that he trembled violently. I mean, Isaac is so distraught that he had been deceived by his son. How could this be? I've passed on the blessing and Esau found out that he had lost the blessing. And when he heard these words in Genesis 27, verse 34, it said, When Esau heard his father's words, he cried out with an exceeding great and bitter cry. The anguish of a brother. How could he do that to me? Why would he do that to me? To deceive our father. To, to deceive me. To steal from me once again. And, and Esau goes on to say in verse 36, Is he right, not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. It's the second time he's grabbed my heel and tried to take away what was mine. He took away my birthright, and look, now he has taken away my blessing. He's a character, all right. And now he's got to flee because Esau says, as soon as my father has died and as soon as I'm through the grief, I will kill you, Jacob. 
And Jacob has to flee once again. As he's fleeing, he arrives at a place where he lays down for the evening, takes a stone, put it behind his head, and goes off to sleep. And he has the vision of a ladder with angels ascending and descending. I grew up singing the hymn, We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder. It was a place where the angels of God were going back and forth from heaven to earth, showing the connection of God. And God then speaks to him there and confirms with him the covenant with Abraham. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. I will bless you. Make your name great. You will have descendants. And Jacob builds an altar there. And he worships his God, pledges, I will return to you 10% of all that you offer to me. And thus the tithe once again is, is reaffirmed that in response to all the blessings you've showered on me, I will offer the 10% back to you for your glory and your honor. And he changes the name of the place to Bethel. It's actually Bet-El. Bet means house of. El is the name of God, like El Shaddai. El meaning God. And Bet-El then means house of God. Well, Jacob goes on, falls in love with this young girl by the name of Rachel. And then he meets his match, her daddy, Laban. Jacob's been used to being able to trick anybody and deceive anybody and manipulate anybody, but he meets his match with Laban. And, and all of a sudden, when he falls in love with Rachel, Laban says, well, I can let you marry her, but, but you really need to work for me for about seven years, then I'll let you marry her. And so he works for him for seven years. And, and, and then the problem is Rachel had an older sister by the name of Leah. Well, it just wouldn't be right for the younger sister to get married first. And so the next thing you know, the wedding occurs, the veil is on, next morning Jacob wakes up and he realized he married Leah because Laban tricked him what did you do to me well I couldn't let you marry the youngest one first work for me another seven years and after a week I'll go ahead and let you marry Rachel as well but but another seven years oh he met his match if you want to talk about deceiving it's there and if you read the story I encourage you to read the story You'll see that it is back and forth how they trick each other, manipulate each other, steal from each other, connive against each other. I mean, Jacob's a mess. He's a character. He's a rascal, even still. But then there comes a time when he even needs to flee from his father-in-law. And it's time to go home. And he wants to meet his brother again. It's time to go home. So he starts heading home. He's terrified that Esau still wants to kill him. And he comes to a place where he spends the night and begins to wrestle with God. A character shows up and he wrestles with him. And hear the story, Genesis 32, 22. That, that same night he got up and took his two wives, two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford at the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip 
was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And Jacob, and he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with human beings and have prevailed. So he's called Israel, Israel, striven with El God, striven with God. He wrestles with God, commits to God, and finally he gets close to home and Esau comes out to meet him. Jacob is terrified. The story really should be more about Esau. He doesn't get a lot of credit, but one of the things I love when you read Genesis 33, especially verse 4, Esau runs to his brother, met him, embraced him, fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Esau was a, was a man who may not have thought through a lot of things, but he understood the gift of forgiveness. And finally, God says to Jacob, chapter 35, it's time you get your life in order, friend. I want you to go back to Bethel. When you read Genesis 35, go back to Bethel to that place where we met before, Bethel, where I gave you the covenant. And, and we need to reconnect, recommit. And he goes back there and, and God said to him once again, your name is, is Jacob no longer. Your name is now Israel. And God confirms the covenant. One of the things I love about the story of Jacob is he was a mess. He was a character. He was a pistol. But yet God was able to use him. Here's what I want you to hear. God didn't choose Jacob because of who he was. But God chose him because of who he knew he could become. And God didn't choose you or me because of who we were. But it's what God saw in us that we could become. And, and, and he was one that needed to overcome quite a few things. But God gave him an opportunity to wrestle with God. And God may be looking to use you. As a matter of fact, God is looking to use you and me. God has a plan and a purpose and a calling for every one of us. All of us are called by God. God has a plan for you. And you may be thinking, but I'm a character. I'm a rascal. God can use characters. God can use rascals. Look at Jacob. So the good news is, God can use you and God can use me. Doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Jacob wrestled with God all night long. And we may need to wrestle with God as well. What is it that we're struggling with that God is calling us for? And, and just for a while, we're not at peace. We're wrestling with God. The other thing we learn from Jacob is that God said to him, 
I need you to go back to Bethel. See, that's the place where I made a covenant with you. It's where you made an altar. It's where you made a covenant with me. It's where you promised me that, that you would take the blessings I've given to you and return a portion back to me. Let's, let's go back to Bethel. We need to start over. Let's go back to Bethel and renew. Maybe that's what you're feeling today too. Sometimes we have to go back to Bethel. We, we need to recommit. We need to go back to that place where God and I were last very tight and close and in covenant. Where's your Bethel? What does that look like for you? And it doesn't necessarily mean a true geographical location, but spiritually, where was the last place you were intimate with God? And have you drifted from that do you need to go back there and recommit to hear who God is calling you to be? I love the Bible stories because God doesn't choose perfect people. He chooses sometimes people who are a mess, who are characters, who are rascals, me, and maybe even you. But God can use you. Maybe you're wrestling with God now. Maybe it's time for you to go back to Bethel. But God's not calling you because of who you were or who you are. But who He knows you can be by His grace. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your love and grace, and we're grateful when we read the Old Testament stories and the New Testament stories that you didn't need us to be perfect, just faithful. You called us to have a faith in you, and even when we've messed up, sometimes we need to wrestle with you. Sometimes we need to return home. Sometimes we need just to go back to Bethel the house of God, or that last place where we made covenant with you and gave our lives to you to, to get that fresh start. We call that repentance and beginning again. And so, God, we pray that some of us, we, we've been wrestling with you for a while and we feel like our hip's out of joint. But, God, we ask that you give us a fresh start that we can return to our Bethel, Bethel and recommit to you as our God and celebrate that you are our God and we are your people. In the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, amen.